1MDB has sparked embezzlement and money laundering investigations across One of the biggest corruption scandals the world has ever seen. What may be the biggest financial scam in the history. Number of corrupt 1MDB officials treated this public trust as a personal bank account. Follow us as we bring you into the courtroom where the biggest financial scandal in Malaysian history is being heard. By the Malaysian Insight, this is the Najib Razak 1MDB trial, and I'm Patrick Teo. Najib and 1MDB are synonymous. 1MDB's former CEO testified today. And this was the reason Sharul Haumi placed everything that Najib wanted for the state fund as top priority, because he believed that the former Prime Minister only had good intentions for both the company and the country. After a two-day delay due to the SRC International case submissions, proceedings resumed this morning at half-past nine. Sharul was back on the witness stand and Najib's lawyer Shafi Abdullah picked up from where he left off on Monday, cross-examining the witness about the joint venture between 1MDB and Petro-Saudi Holdings, Cayman Limited. Now, we've noticed a pattern with Sharul. Whenever the lawyers asked if he had any concerns about how 1MDB's funds were being used and whether he had voiced these concerns, Sharul would say that he only did what he was told to do, no questions asked. Today, it was more of the same. Recapping what he said on Monday, Sharul told the court that when he signed the agreement for the 1MDB Petro-Saudi joint venture on September 28, 2009, 1MDB assumed a 700 million US dollar debt. He said this was due to the three assets injected by Petro-Saudi Holdings into the JV, which were purportedly valued at 2.2 billion US dollars, which was 700 million US dollars more than the 1.5 billion US dollars Petro-Saudi Holdings had agreed to contribute. Basically, Petro-Saudi poured in more money than they needed to, and 1MDB ended up being indebted to the company. Sharul says he doesn't remember what the three assets were other than one of them being an oil field in Turkmenistan. The other two were in Argentina and Canada, he said. However, he has never seen proof of ownership of these assets and he can't recall how the assets were injected into the JV. The only checks he did on these supposed assets were internet searches. Yep, he just Googled it, and that was enough to convince him that Petro-Saudi's claims were trustworthy. We now know, of course, that these assets never did belong to Petro-Saudi to begin with. It was all a farce. The witness said that he also never checked if the 700 million US dollar advance was recorded in the JV's accounts. He just left it to Casey Tang, 1MDB's business development executive, who is now a fugitive on the run and whom Sharul had trusted wholeheartedly because of Casey's know-how in the legal field. And the JV agreement? Well, it only gave 1MDB a 48-hour window to pull out. Pretty convenient, if you ask me. Sharul has
had previously testified about how he and his team were under a lot of pressure to get the JV agreement signed. Today, he explained again that he had to bulldoze everything through because the agreement was something that Prime Minister Najib wanted. The difference between 1MDB and Najib did not exist in my mind, Sharul said. 1MDB was Najib and Najib was 1MDB. Whatever he wanted done, I needed to get it done, the witness said. Sharul said he recalls one meeting he attended in late 2009 along with Najib and other officials from the Ministry of Finance. During the meeting, Najib had talked about doing things differently in 1MDB and leaving the old ways behind. The former Prime Minister had also said something strange. He told everyone present that he was not going to destroy the whole country. Sharul said that was why he believed Najib. He believed that whatever the former PM did was proper and for the good of Malaysia. And this belief, the witness said, became the underlying reason for all the decisions he made in 1MDB. Now, an independent valuer was appointed to determine the value of PetroSaudi's supposed assets. One Edward L. Morse was suggested by, well, PetroSaudi, and 1MDB hired him. We don't know how much this Edward Morse, or Ed, was paid for his services, but you can't say that he did a great job. First of all, the agreement between the JV company and Ed stated that his scope of work in valuing the assets did not include looking into who owned the assets. His terms of engagement also did not include going on site. In fact, Ed's only source of information was PetroSaudi. Sharo said that he only found out that none of the assets ever belonged to PetroSaudi when the media reported it. Ed's valuation report was presented to 1MDB's Board of Directors on October 10, 2009. Based on the report, it was agreed that PetroSaudi Holdings only needed to put 108 million US dollars worth of funds into the JV because the rest of its contribution was in assets. Again, assets that were never theirs to begin with. For their contribution, PetroSaudi would get a 60% stake in the JV. And so, for their 40% stake, 1MDB poured in 1 billion US dollars. Like fools, lawyer Shafi commented. Weren't you concerned enough about your reputation to investigate? Shafi asked Sharul. No, the witness replied. He didn't probe because the authorities were already investigating the matter. With that, Shafi ended his cross-examination for the day. Sharul will return to the witness stand once again next Tuesday. This podcast was brought to you by the Malaysian Insight. The team behind the Najib Razak 1MDB podcast are Revati Supramaniam, Yappik Kwan and Yvonne Lim. Timothy Acharyam provided additional reporting. And I'm Patrick Teo.